Darnell Williams at the tailback. They'll hand it off to Williams up the middle. 25. Cuts it inside. 30, 35, 40. There goes Cadillac. To the 50. To the 40. To the 30. To the 20. To the 15. 10. Go crazy, Cadillac. Go crazy. Touchdown. Now they can play a little safer. But they're not going to. Nix is back. Throws it downfield. Caught. Touchdown, Williams. A 20-yard attempt. Josh Harris, the snapper. He'll call to the place. He'll hold it. Byron waits for the snap to the place. There it is. The kick is up. The kick is good. Auburn wins. 22-19. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Auburn Today podcast. As always, my name is Noble, and I'm joined here with my co-host, Wheeler. Today, we have a... Very, uh, very interesting podcast ahead of us, breaking down Auburn's uh, tough loss on the road in College Station against the Texas A&M Aggies, and then kind of previewing the Deep South's oldest rivalry for Hugh Freeze, you know, week one coming in, you know, the the early early time rivalry for, for Brother Hugh. Uh, had some interesting comments this week, but we'll get into all of that uh, towards the end of the podcast, but... For the AM game, obviously Auburn had a tough showing, lost 27 to 10. Peyton Thorne put up a uh put up a rough game. 40, 44 passing yards, uh 3.7 yards per completion, uh six for twelve. Uh this also marked the fifth straight game against power five competition where the QB failed to amass a hundred passing yards. So you know, it's a, it's been a couple. It's been a, it's been a rough stretch. You know, it's been a rough stretch. It was a rough week. Um, the only touch, obviously, the only touchdown scored was from Eugene Asante having to dodge the twelfth man, who ended up being Jimbo Stop. Fisher. Stop. Um, but yeah, I thought that was kind of clever. I came up with that on the spot, but I did. I actually did. It's but been all over Twitter. You're late to the party. I don't read Twitter. I'm sorry, but X. but so sorry. it's called X now. But so regardless. Really tough showing from the offense. Defense played, you know, about as well as can be expected, I think. But either give us your thoughts on kind of just what was going through your mind first half, where you were at at halftime. I think just about every Auburn fan was feeling somewhat okay at halftime. And then the second half just kind of ripped everyone's heart out. So just kind of give us your thoughts on just kind of the game in general. So I let, let's focus. There's not a lot, but let's go. Let's go focus on the positives here. Mm-hmm. Okay, positives that I see. I thought the game plan was great. I really did. I thought that the offensive and defensive game plans were both super solid. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that the offense schemed up a lot of great things. I thought in the first half, especially, they there were guys running wide open all the time. I thought that the running game was looking really good. I thought Demari Austin um, was having a great game before he, you know. Separated his shoulder. Yeah, yeah, separated his shoulder or it went out of place, whatever is going on. Um, sounds like he's going to be out for a good little while, which is really unfortunate. Um, I think we had kind of mentioned that we thought he was the best-looking running back so far this season. And maybe that was just because Dark Wells had the rust. Um, I thought Brian Batty showed that he can be a legitimate SEC back, uh, that even though he's a smaller guy, I think – you know, people compare him to Sean Shivers. He has a little bit better vision. He looks like he could actually be, uh, I don't want to say an every down back, but actually a pretty consistent back. I think he can kind of take that Damari Austin role back. Uh, I think Damari is better than him, but I think that he can fill in pretty well. So game plan is good as far as scheming to get receivers open. Where I think the game plan is difficult, and it's really hard to even criticize this, is that you want to see the ball run just because you know you can't pass. But at the same time, the looks that you're getting are begging you to throw the ball. And the receiver is getting wide open. Mm -hmm. And I didn't think that the offensive line had, you know, uh, all-American day. The offensive line played well enough to win the game. Mm -hmm. Most of the sacks that you saw in the game were not somebody getting whipped. I mean, were they missing a couple of protections? Yes. I mean, there were a couple of sacks. So you give up three sacks in a game, that's not going to lose you the game. The majority of the sacks were Peyton Thorne standing there like he had stick them on his hands, 
and was afraid to throw the ball. So it kind of started the way I thought where it looked like Peyton was afraid to throw the ball. I think he's afraid of making the mistake. I think he knows that the other quarterbacks are nipping at his heels. I mean, obviously, if he was saying out in public, other quarterbacks are nipping at his heels, I can't imagine what they're saying inside of the quarterback meeting room. So he's playing to not turn the ball over. Understandably so. I think that's normal human nature. But I think he's in a tough spot, but he's not responding well to the tough spot at all. And so I have empathy for where everyone is. I have empathy that the coaches are saying, look, you're not getting it done. We're going to have to pull you. I have empathy that that's a really tough place to be, that you transferred to a school, you're supposed to be the man, you went and won the team captain job, and you're playing tight because you want it so bad. Mm -hmm. I empathize with that. But at the end of the day, it's not about empathy. It's about results. And at the end of the day, Peyton Thorne, whether it's he's afraid to make a mistake or whether it's he's been sacked two or three times and his eye level just goes down. I mean, you can see it on TV. It doesn't take – I mean, we're not quarterback coaches. You can see that as soon as he was snapping the ball, if the first read wasn't there, his eyes were not going to the second read. They weren't going any – they were going right down to where the line was, and he was just waiting to get sacked. I thought that he lost it mentally, okay? I, and I think that's why Robbie came in the game. I think that Hugh knew, look, today's not his day. He's lost it mentally. He's not going to be able to come back from this. For this week. So you put Robbie in the game. You know, same thing. You're you're trying to pass. And I like that you go with the deep ball. Robbie does have a pretty good deep ball, actually. I thought I thought that the play calls were good again. And you just missed on the execution. I mean, the guys were open on a couple of them and Robbie overthrew them. That was I mean, they weren't wide open, but they were if if the ball was right, it could have been caught on all of the deep balls, okay? So, Robbie Robbie missed a couple of throws, but do you really expect Robbie to come in and make the throws? Like, I I didn't. I I think if you put Robbie in the game, you expect to see what we saw against Mississippi State last year where you're just running the read option. And you know what? I think that it becomes at a certain point, do you just consider doing that again? You were able to score at least a little bit against Georgia last year. You were able to score against Mississippi State. You were actually I – when mean, you put up – decent numbers against Alabama, respectable numbers that made you look like a college football team. Okay, what what they've been doing currently, they don't look like a normal college football team. They have not reached the level of offense that the 3 to 2 Tommy Tuberville team did against Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. It's just terrible. Holden Gurner. You know, I mean, we've said it if we've said it once, we've said it five times. Every time Holden gets put in the game, he gets put in just a terrible situation. Right. And I think it's unfair for him. I, th- I think that right now we know exactly what Robbie is. I think that you can do more with Robbie than what you've done with Peyton Thorne. That's not saying that Robbie is a better quarterback than Peyton Thorne, but results on the field. When Robbie was the full-time starter last year, you saw better results than you're seeing this year with Peyton Thorne as the full-time starter. And Holden Gurner is either not showing it in practice or there – I mean, there's a reason why – when it all went belly up, they didn't throw Holden in the game and they put Robbie in the game. So is Peyton Thorne going to be the starter against Georgia? Probably. Is he going to not play well? Probably not going to play well. You know, I mean, and I hate to say that. I hate to be Debbie Downer, and I don't want to be Debbie Downer. It would make my day if if Peyton Thorne goes out there and he looks like the guy that we wanted him to, and he throws for 70% two touchdowns and an interception. I would that would make me really happy for Peyton Thorne. It genuinely would. Just as a person to see him actually get out there and succeed. But I think it's unfair to him to have the expectation that when he plays power 5 competition in the orange and blue uniform with his ridiculous three-colored mouthpiece that he's going to go out there and do something good because he's done something bad every single time. He's done nothing but bad other than one drive against a mid to poor defense in the Cal Bears. And so my expectation, based off of what our eyes have seen, is unless he is playing just inferior competition, he is going to be mid, not mid, he's going to be poor. I mean, 50% for 44 yards and a QBR of 18, and you get paid U.S. dollars to do that? Are you kidding me? I mean, genuinely. A man is selling yellow wood, pressure-treated pine, and giving the money to 50%, 44-yards, average of 3.7 a pass. That's where yellow wood is going. Oh, it's just, it's just awful. 
I mean, it's embarrassing that he is on Scott. It's the performances that we've seen are just not that of the caliber of someone who should be getting their school paid for and in IL money. And if you want the money and you want to become a professional, then you're a professional. And we can just say, look, man, that's awful. I mean, that's just terrible. And I think he would probably say the same thing. I mean, it, is there any defense? I mean, are, are we missing something? Is there a defense for what what a starting quarterback in the SEC having those numbers? And it's not a one-off game. Like, it's not like he played great against Cal. And I don't know if you watched the Cal and Washington game. Cal's not great on defense. Cal gave up 60, 60 burger, or sorry, 59 against Washington. Okay, they gave up 59 to Washington, and the best thing that we can see Peyton Thorne do is he's going to go out there and throw for 94 yards. He didn't even throw the whole football field in a whole game. It's just, it's so unbelievable that he's, that he's on scholarship, and that's the performance. Well, yeah, and so, you know, to, to preface a little bit of the quarterback, uh, situation for those who were not able to catch the game or who kind of just uh, blurred out at some of the, the stats. Peyton Thorne did lead the team in QBR with uh, 18.9. Um, he had 50% passing, 44 passing yards. Uh, he had negative 34 rushing yards, which translates to a net positive <laughs> of 10 yards. So he had a net positive of a first down. But I will say, Robbie Ashford. Out-of-state tuition. He's getting a scholarship for out-of-state tuition. At least find somebody from Alabama. Save a couple grand. Robbie Ashford had a uh, – he had a net gain of 29 yards uh, in a little bit a little bit less time with a 25% completion percentage. Um, and I think the frustrating thing is watching it is you don't get the – like there are sometimes you have a quarterback controversy and there's one guy that might be like – Oh, you know, he puts he leaves it all on the field, and the other person maybe doesn't. And I don't really think we have that. Like, I really do think that Peyton Thorne really wants to win. He wants he wants the best for Auburn, and you can tell that. Like, you can tell in his effort. You can tell, you know, the way he approaches the game is he wants he wants it. He is a competitor. Yeah. He wants Auburn to win. Now, it does seem like he is struggling in these games and I will be interesting. I don't want to get too much into this because I want to touch on this a little bit later in the podcast, but I'll be interested to see both the power five games we've had have been on the road and both of the home games we have have been against lightluster competition. I'll be interested to see if we find somewhere in the middle against Georgia, if it's, he's a little bit better than he was against A&M and Cal because he's more comfortable at home or if it's when he plays high-level competition, he kind of gets nervous, gets real tight. I, I think that will be an interesting aspect to watch. No, but- he could double his yards. You just said a little bit better. He could double what he did this weekend and have 88 yards, not even go the whole football field in passing yards. He could. There are There are people in the United States who will have more passing yards on a singular play than he has in 60 minutes if he doubles his performance. Obviously, it's not it was not an ideal performance. I'm not I'm not saying that at all. But I will say I think obviously Peyton Thorne was not getting it done on Saturday. It wasn't no. working. It seemed like the play calls were there, but honestly, there were a lot of moments where Auburn just shot themselves in the foot. And some of it wasn't Peyton Thorne's fault. Some of it was he was getting sacked, but some of it was a holding call. Puts them back in the chain and the chains, and it's and some you, soft holding call. Yeah, I will say I, that, that that is true. But I will say, like, if if the offense plays a clean game and doesn't have those penalties, you know, the game might look a little different. The first half looks different. You go into halftime with a different score, and that matters. Like when you have an offense that has not exactly been the most high powered bunch in the first quarter of the season, you can't get behind in the chains, or you're not. It's not going to work. You can't rely on Oscar Chapman to, you know, play the field position game the whole time, which, by the way, Oscar played a great game, and it goes back to what we've said the past two seasons on a podcast, is I'm sick and tired of talking about how good Oscar Chapman played in the game. Like, that's not ideal for anybody. No one wants to talk about how good the punter was. But I do think that there were 
You know, I, I mentioned last week when we were when we were previewing this game that I expected to I I probably expected to lose. I had predicted a loss uh, all off season, and I said that win or loss, win or lose, I would not change how I thought about the remainder of the season. And I do think that that is true. And I said that I wanted to see flashes of what Auburn could be. And I do think we saw that to an extent that you saw the running game open up. You saw the running backs have a good game. Obviously, you mentioned earlier, Brian Batty, eight carries for 59 yards, average seven yards per carry. Brian Batty played a phenomenal game, and he also was involved in the receiving. He led the team in receiving with 23 yards, which isn't (laughs) – I mean, it's not exactly a that, Randy Moss performance. That's, that's yeah. Well, it's over fifty percent of the catching. So. Yeah, and so, but but so obviously, Brian Batty played a good game. Jarquez averaged six yards a carry. He only had nine nine carries, and that was another thing. It was just like it felt like the running game would get going. There'd be a holding call. We'd get behind in the chains. We wouldn't be able to convert through the air, and you would have to punt away. So you didn't. You had time of possession, but you weren't really getting a lot of plays out. You weren't running the ball like they wanted to. And then the, the sacks and the, the sacks just just hurt so bad, especially on plays where you see the pressure creeping up. You know, you see the corner coming up. You're like, all right, they're showing blitz. Peyton Thorne points him out. He sees it. He sees it. He's looking. He at looks him. at it. He points him out, and the guy gets the sack. Well, he runs into him. Yeah, he, ra- he, 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 he runs. He ran. And, and I think that that is something that, like he was picking it up. And there may have been something that I missed. I mean, I was I was from. You know, I was watching from the upper deck of the the of Kyle Field, so there may have been something I missed. But from my perception, it looked like Peyton Thorne did what he was supposed to do up until the point where the ball was snapped, and he took the sack. And that's the thing that's frustrating because I think when you look at the the comparison between Peyton Thorne and Robbie, is they say, well, Peyton Thorne, you know, from from what written reports are saying. It seems that Peyton Thorne is the more seasoned passer. He can read blitzes quicker, and he leads the team. But when Peyton Thorne is out there, even if he recognizes things, he's still getting sacked more than Robbie. And Robbie, even though he might not be able to pick up as many of the blitzes, he can escape some of them through his legs. And I don't think that we've seen really anything from Peyton Thorne where he is playing like a seasoned passer. And this is not the Peyton Thorne that we saw at Michigan State. And I think that that is the most surprising thing is that Peyton Thorne was a starter at Michigan State for two seasons and didn't have games like this. No. Even again, I mean, he was play, you know, playing Ohio State, Penn State, he didn't have games like this. So obviously there's something going on with Peyton Thorne that we're missing. There's something going on that's – I don't know if it's something between his ears. I don't know if it's some kind of injury or something or if he's scared to do something. I, I don't know what that is. But there's obviously something happening. And you obviously you have to beg the question, why is there not some kind of shakeup? Because it seemed to me, from my, from my view of the game, that when Robbie Ashford came in, the offense had a new life and the offense looked like it was moving. And then obviously the same thing happened A penalty, put them back in the chains and something I really was not a fan of, which I'll, I'll, I'll get your opinion on when you take out Robbie on third and 25, you put in Peyton Thorne and he runs, you know, a throwback screen. And I'm just like, why, why is a, I, I kind of understand that's the call. Maybe you want to get in the field goal range, whatever. But why do you need Peyton Thorne for that? What is Peyton Thorne doing? Like, do we not trust Robbie to throw a screen? I mean, the the idea of a screen is that you throw it roughly 10 to 12 yards of actual the ball going in the air distance to a guy who is not covered. Like, they were playing defense on the sticks, like the goal, and obviously the play got blown up either way. But is that a throw that we don't think Robbie – is the coaching staff not confident that Robbie can even make that throw? Well, I think that that is more you're trying to back the defense off. So if you're running a screen pass, you don't want them in a run set. And if you put Peyton Thorne in the game, they're going to respect the passing game much more than Robbie. But will they? Because I, I think that if, if, I'm, if I'm calling a defense for a quarterback that has 44 passing yards, I'm not – I'm yeah, not but, changing my defense but, to respect but, but I'm thinking of the capabilities of that person. And so everybody's going to be cued in on the line of scrimmage for the running quarterback. Even, even if he drops back to pass, you're still cued in on the line of scrimmage to check and see if he escapes 
to go and run. And if you're throwing a screen pass, you do not want all eyes in the backfield watching the screen pass. Obviously. And I and I understand where you're coming from. I just don't think I I don't think that they're going to in my opinion, I don't think that it's very beneficial to the offense to take out Robbie Ashford, put in Peyton Thorne, and run a screen pass, personally. And I will say with Robbie Ashford, you know, he comes in, he throws a deep ball to Jair Shorter, which in Robbie's defense, it looked to me that once he that Jair Shorter had a couple steps on the DB and he seemed to kind of give up on his route and start jogging a little bit. And I think that that, that is a painful reality from a wide receiver's perspective, is that if your quarterback is struggling, if your if your quarterback's getting sacked a lot, if he's struggling to find a rhythm, it's very difficult for receivers to play to that level. And a lot of receivers, especially on Auburn's team, you heard Hugh talk about it all offseason, is you have guys that maybe don't give the same amount of effort on every play. And when you have things like that where they're never getting the ball – you have guys who maybe don't run their route 100%. And that's something that's going to happen with that. And it's just there were so many things like that that just hurt, 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 and hurt. And I think that it just goes back to what we've said the past really three weeks is that Hugh's got to decide on a guy. But it just seems from my perspective that we've seen Robbie Ashford beat SEC competition. We saw that last season. Robbie – theoretically is better and Hugh it seems like Hugh has said that Robbie has improved since Freeze arrived so if we have a guy who beat SEC competition last season and has gotten better do we think that it is a logical jump to assume that he could still beat SEC competition and I think that that is a logical jump to make and it just doesn't seem that from what we've seen from Peyton Thorne in an Auburn uniform, discounting what he's done at Michigan State, I, and I just don't know what we have. And let's talk about that for a second. We talk about his overall career stats. When the guy plays pretty good defenses, things don't look too good. Okay, I mean, I'm just going back, and I mean, the season that is, you know, his quote-unquote banner season, dude threw for 38%. When they played Ohio State for like 120 yards, okay, that that's not good. He he has shown he has these games where he is playing Ohio State, and guess what, guys? Georgia this week is like Ohio State, probably better on defense. Yeah. Sorry, he threw for 150 yards, 38 percent against Indiana. He threw for 53 percent for 126 yards. So he does. He has the capacity in these games, and I agree. I mean. That's what I'm saying. I think at some point you just have to say, look, Robbie's won against SEC competition. Something, and it's like you said, and like we said earlier with the compassion thing with him, there might be something going on. And if there's something going on, sorry for him, more power to him, hope he gets better, hope whatever is going on between the ears or if he has an injury that that heals up. But in the meantime, you can't leave the team in lurch and have performances like that because at some point the, you have to perform. Mm -hmm. And if there's not a performance, that you, this isn't a game of excuses. Okay, excuses get you beat 27 to 3. Okay, mm -hmm. even though that Eugene yeah. scored, as far as the offense, it was 27 to 3. Yeah. Okay, you throw for 44-something yards, that's excuses. That's Now, granted, I will say, as far as the 44 yards, to be completely fair to Peyton, he did only play a half. So, you're right. If he had played two halves, probably... The numbers would have looked better. The numbers would have looked slightly better. He was throwing for 50%. Now, his net, we're not sure because he was taking so many sacks that his net may have been 20 yards in two halves of football. Um, Yeah, I mean, there's... There's no simple fix for the offense, and I think that you can tell from Hugh Freeze's demeanor um, in the press conferences and kind of his expectation, it's not going to get fixed anytime soon. And so until we get out of a stretch of teams that have dominant defensive lines and are just good on defense, we're just kind of dead in the water, honestly. Um, I, I would expect to see some trick plays. You know, hopefully a quarterback can figure it out and start connecting. I think if you play this Georgia game that's coming up 10 times, Georgia probably wins nine and a half of them. I mean, it's 
Uh, you gave me the eyebrows. I mean, so far the offense in Power Five competition scored four, 17 points. Yes. I was more. I was more impressed. You gave us the half. Yeah, well, I was. That was saying that we could win ha- a half. We could be winning at halftime in one of the games. Um, I want Auburn to win. I, I really do. Like we, gen- you know, we're the biggest homers there are. But just because you're a homer doesn't mean you can't just look at the facts. And I mean, hey, the offense, you know, for all of the weapons and stuff that you say, oh, there were flashes here. Well, it's. You can't just have flashes and never have any kind of production. And to the people that say, well, UMass and Sanford, I mean, come on, guys. It, that's that's not production. That's, that's just inferior talent. That's that's nothing. 2012, Auburn won three games and looked like world beaters when New Mexico State came in here. If you're bigger, faster, and stronger than every other team, you're going to win. Against you're going to win against those teams. And right now, A&M, Georgia – LSU, you know, they're bigger, bigger, faster, faster, and stronger. stronger. Now, it's not the talent gap of New Mexico State where scheme doesn't really matter that much. I think scheme matters a lot. I think scheme can keep this game close. Um, But I think that 17 and a half, that's where the line is right now. I think that's a fair line. I I, I don't think Georgia's going to score a ton. I could see a similar score to this A&M game. I think a 27 to 10, very similar to the A&M game. Competitive till half game. Hard-fought game. Offense isn't able to do anything. Defense is hanging tough. At the end, they get gashed for a couple of long runs because they're exhausted. That's how I see this game playing out. I don't think that the team is going to give up. I don't think that Hugh is not the answer. I think that Hugh's doing a good job. I think Philip Montgomery's honestly doing a good job. I don't I don't understand the hate for Philip Montgomery. I think that he's calling great plays. But, I mean, what plays do you call when you can't complete a pass or you won't even throw the pass? That's the thing. Yes, you did have the Camden Brown drop, to be fair. All right. I mean, hit him right in the hands, hit him right in the jersey. I mean, right on the throw. Great throw. Great job by him. He would have had more yards if Mm -hmm. that had been caught. That should have been caught. That's another one that's no excuse. I mean, it should have been caught. Um, Yeah, I just – I don't see any hope for the offense for any time soon. I think you'll see – I think Mississippi State is where you can see the offense actually – Start to step up again. Um, maybe Ole Miss. Ole Miss's defense didn't look super formidable compared to the other ones. But right now, it's uh, it's going to be a grind. Well, I will. I, I will. You know, trying to trying to bring bring the mood up a little bit. In any football game, you can change if you if a couple plays the ball bounces a different way, the game can change. And Auburn versus Texas A&M was no different. If Peyton Thorne and Jay Fair are able to connect on that pass, it's a touchdown. Easy touchdown. Jay Fair was wide open. So that gives Auburn seven offensive points. And there were multiple of those runs by Brian Batty. And there was one especially where the guy just kind of got him by the shoelaces. He goes down. If he beats that man, it's wide open. It's a touchdown. So it was very close. Auburn was close to putting two touchdowns on the board. Obviously, they didn't do it. Obviously, the offense did not have a good showing. But going into next week, college football is obviously – it's crazy. That's why we love it. Things can happen. And if something happens – but if a busted play happens and Auburn scores a touchdown, Auburn scores a touchdown. That's awesome. If Auburn's defense gets another touchdown like they did against A&M, it's big, you know. And obviously Carson Beck for Georgia, this is going to be his first true road start. Like, he's probably not going to be playing a fantastic game, you know. Peyton Thorne, this will be – probably the most comfortable he's been against, you know, a top competition. That's a big ideally. assumption that you just made, that he will be the starting quarterback. I w- I, I Reading in between the lines from, from what Freeze said in his press conference, it seems to me that Peyton Thorne will be the starter for this week. And if it's Robbie, obviously the, the scheme will be different, but it, it seems to me that it will be Peyton Thorne. And hopefully he can hopefully he can string something together. And I And like I mentioned earlier, I truly am interested to see – how Peyton Thorne performs in a home environment, in a real game, in a home environment, because he has looked so much more comfortable against these other teams. And yes, there is a gap, but it shouldn't be as big as it is in his his comfort levels, in my opinion. Obviously, just touching on the defense a little bit, Eugene Asante put up another phenomenal game. Uh, Obviously, he played really well with 
not even the touchdown, led the team in tackles. Uh, Larry Nixon, uh, that's a guy that's definitely played better game by game. Uh, against Cal, there were a couple moments where he, it looked like he kind of got frozen up a little bit and was just a step slow to some of the plays. But he's really shored that up, played very well against A&M. Uh, obviously, Donovan Kaufman played well. Jalen Simpson played well. J.D. Rhyme uh, played well. Uh, Nehemiah Pritchett in his first game back from injury, he played very well. Uh, there were some injuries that were a little, a little concerning, in my opinion. Uh, Zion Puckett obviously going down. You could definitely see that 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 hurt that hurt Auburn in the in the secondary with a lot of different plays. But overall, I think the defense played very well with them being able to scheme uh, around injuries this week. I I would ideally expect another pretty solid defensive showing against this Georgia team. But overall, you know, going into this Georgia game, either what are you really? How are you really feeling about it? A, you know, just kind of quick answer. Who do you think? The not the starting quarterback, but which quarterback do you think gets the most looks in the game? And kind of what do you expect Auburn's offense to put on the field? Do you expect kind of new plays? Do you think Hughes just going to throw the kitchen sink at him, trying to get the big time upset, kind of a marquee win of the season? What do you expect to see from Auburn's offense uh, this week? I would expect to see Peyton Thorne be the starting quarterback. I would expect to see some screens and some slants early in the game. And trying to get those on first and second down to try and give him some passing opportunities that are not third and 13, mm-hmm. where Georgia's coming after him. Because if you run every single time, first down, run up the middle, second down, run off tackle, third down, it's third and 13, they pin their ears back, mm-hmm. you get sacked. I mean, that's been a pretty common trend. I don't think that you can do that. I, I think you're going to see some – Confidence building throws, just try and get a little bit of something. Try and feed those receivers early so that, like we said, there's that effort piece for the rest of the game. You know, of like the game plan is to try and throw it because you're not going to win by just running the ball. Mm-hmm. Like we are not that dominant of the team running the ball. You have to throw the ball. Whoever the quarterback is, they have to throw the ball at some point. Like if, if you're playing to win the game. Now, if you're playing to lose by 17 or lose by 14, yeah, you can run the ball and just really try and milk the clock. I think you take forever to get up to the line of scrimmage too. I mean, maybe if a drive really starts to get going, but I think you're just trying to melt clock, honestly. Melt clock, start off with those short passes, whoever, whether it's Holden, whether it's Peyton, whether it's Robbie, but I do think it's going to be Peyton. I think Peyton will play better this week because he is at home. It's just how can he put it together in a somewhat coherent mm-hmm. place? I because he had just hasn't shown it since he's been at Auburn. I mean, he has from what all the reports are of the scrimmages, none of the scrimmages he did he put it together. Mm-hmm. So since he's been on campus, I'm not sure. I mean, we keep going back because I think there's a several-year history of saying that he's supposed to be good. He has not had – there's not been a single time where Hugh came out and goes, I thought Peyton Thorne played really well today. I thought Peyton Thorne met my expectation today. Now, we don't listen every single day after practice. Maybe he's really good at practice, but the game's not practice. And so if all the scrimmages – and then I guess he did say it after the Sanford game. He said that Peyton Thorne played a good game. So – Okay, maybe he does. And so I think the best chance, if Auburn wins, so we're just going to dream scenario Auburn wins, I think Peyton Thorne has to throw for 200 yards. Um, I think we have to turn the ball over one or less times. And I think we have to – none of the penalties can be holdings or or maybe like one holding. The penalties have to be few and far between. You can't be penalized like this team has been. The team has been just – I mean, plagued by some phantom holding calls. And so maybe this is the week that they let him play. I think that that's what you got to see on offense. Um, I, You know, you do hope for some of the Jordan-Hare voodoo to happen with Carson Beck and it being his first game, and maybe it'll, you know, make him a little bit nervous. I don't think the crowd's going to be especially juiced. Unless the unless Auburn comes out and scores. I mean, I think it'll ha- it'll be – excited it'll be a packed out stadium but i don't think there's going to be a level of excitement and i don't think you're going to get that really peak intimidating environment until auburn scores 
until there's some hope on the part of the fans, I haven't talked to anyone, and maybe you're different this week, that thinks Auburn has a legitimate chance of winning this game. I, I would say that there are some people. I don't think that anyone watches Georgia and thinks that they are unbelievably good. No. You know, and I think that that is the thing that's giving a lot of Auburn fans hope is that Georgia has not played that well this season. They looked eh against South Carolina, which South Carolina hasn't really looked good this season at all. And that was at home for Georgia. Carson Beck has not looked interesting at all. And so I think that people are looking at Georgia as, yeah, they're ranked number one in the country, but do I think they're the best team in the country? No, I don't. And I really don't think there's any team in the country that's just unbelievably incredible. I think this is, you know, I think everyone's kind of, there are some good teams, but I don't really see any great teams at the moment. And obviously I'm not going to say Auburn's a great team, but if you put a good team against an average team, an average team can win, you know, because good teams will make mistakes and great teams don't. And so I think that with this Georgia team, as you see, they're capable of making mistakes. They're capable of coming into Jordan Hare and losing. And I think that that's what excites people. And the line is probably not as big as it should be. But I could really see Auburn hanging in this game. I could see Auburn losing this game by four touchdowns. But on the flip side, I could see Auburn hanging in this game, and I think it depends on the defense, and I think it depends on, obviously, the quarterback position. Against Texas A&M, I think every position group played good enough to win, except for the quarterback group, and it's the group as a whole. And I don't think that 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 can't be the case against Georgia. The quarterbacks cannot have two straight SEC games where they you can point to the group as the, you know, the quote-unquote reason for the loss. So I think that going into this week, the quarterback has to be comfortable. And watching Peyton Thorne against Samford was yet like they they prioritized passing the ball. But then there were some plays where it's like he snaps the ball and he throws it within two seconds and it's a completion. And you're like, that you can run that against anybody. Yes. Mississippi State in the past couple seasons under the Mike Leach offense, they would throw the ball 50 times a game because it doesn't matter if you have Nick Bosa rushing the passer in college football if you're throwing a quick slant it will not matter you're go- if your left tackle touches the guy and makes him do one move the ball is going to have time to get out and Peyton Thorne was able to make those throws against Sanford and even against A&M it, it's not even I'm not even worried about the completion he's not throwing those balls he's looking there and if you widen out the camera you can see the guy is there and Peyton Thorne is there's something there's something there where he's worried to just step in there and throw the throw. ball. Yes. And you did see in the first half there was that one play where there was a levels concept and he just kind of threw it in the middle of them. And he overthrew it for the short guy and he underthrew it for the intermediate guy. And I just I, I don't understand what is in his head about this because these are throw the th- it's one thing if there's a guy running at you and you're having to run away or you know, you're not passing out of it. You're not throwing away when you get wrapped up. But when it's the throws that you know the guy can make because you've seen him make it, and that's what worries me. And then, you know, you, you look back, like Max Johnson. Max Johnson at LSU was decent. He wasn't great. He was decent, right? He comes in against Texas A&M, or, you know, for Texas A&M when uh, Wigman goes down, and he kind of tears us up. Uh, he had some really good throws. That touchdown pass was just an absolute dime. Yeah. I mean, it was phenomenal. And a heck of a catch. Yeah, I mean, I mean yeah. the coverage was actually. Yeah, really I, good I mean, I, I'm not, I wasn't mad at all about the coverage. I was like, that was, I mean, Kay and Lee and Jalen Simpson played pretty well. But Max Johnson, there was one play, especially that I remember. I think it was on his, I can't remember what drive it was on. I want to say they scored on this drive. There was a play. Auburn got dialed up some pressure, had Max Johnson wrapped up. And he just kind of throws a duck that goes out of bounds because he just throws something to go out of bounds, throws it away. They live to see another down. They end up converting, end up scoring on the drive. And that is what we could have had. That's what you have to have from Peyton Thorne. If Peyton Thorne is able to throw out of some of those sacks, you don't get behind the chains and you at least get three. You at least go into halftime tie. And that is so important in getting points on the board. Your defense is going to play different. Your wide receiver is going to play different. You're running. Everyone is going to play different when there's points on the board. And if you keep having all these empty-handed drives, it just 
it takes a toll on the team. Or when you're in field goal range and you take sacks. Yeah. On third down, where you know, it's third and 13 and you're in field goal range, and the play is don't take a sack. Yeah. Whatever you do, just don't take a sack. It's just – it is almost like he's not a fifth-year senior. Like, it's almost like you're – and if he was a freshman quarterback, think about it this way. If Peyton Thorne were a freshman quarterback, I think we'd be excited about it. I genuinely do. Like, if we were going if we were going into the Georgia game and we were like, all right, he had a bad game, but, like, he's getting experience, we'd be like, he's about to have a good game. That could happen, mm-hmm. okay? And it, But that has to happen for Auburn to beat Texas A&M. I don't think Robbie Ashford – or to beat Georgia. I don't think Robbie Ashford can beat Georgia. Really? That's interesting. I think he, I think he can. I think okay, the Bobby he, Ashford – like he did against LSU, but – Outside of the LSU game last year, where he threw for 350 yards. See, but I think the Robbie Ashford that we saw against Alabama or A&M can beat this Georgia team. Well, I truly do. It, either way, quarterback has to play significantly yes, better. 100%. I hope, as we've said, we really hope that Peyton Thorne, Robbie, whoever is playing, we hope that the guys on Auburn's team are super successful. We want to gas people up. But – it's hard to do that when you just see what you saw. Defense, hey, lookout player that we mentioned last week was Keldrick Falk. I thought he had another great he game. He did play very well. He had a very, very good game. Eugene Asante has solidified himself. He's solid. We uh, mentioned Kalen Lee being a freshman and weren't sure if he'd be ready for the SEC stage. I thought he's he had ready. a fantastic he's, game. Yeah, I mean, he's – I thought Jalen said the, – the defense had a great game. And, honestly, if Auburn's scoring, I don't think they give up 27 points. And let's talk about, you know, I'll, I'll call myself out. I was very concerned about Auburn's defense. I was – going into this season, I was – I mean, I don't really want to say naive, but I'm going to have to say naive. Like, I was like – I think Peyton Thorne will be average because we saw him be average at Michigan State. And if he isn't average, I think we'll see Robbie Ashford do what he did last year. Right now, the quarterback hadn't done anything, so the offense hadn't looked quite like I expected. But I was 10 times more worried about the defense than I was the offense. And obviously that, looking back you know, a month later, was a freezing cold take by me. But the run defenses looked phenomenal. Mm-hmm. They've looked very – the defense is looking like the Auburn defenses of old that are – just yeah, and it's it's almost annoying when you look back on some of these teams and you're like, yep, same old story. The defense is on the field all the time, and they play really well till the you know last ten minutes of the game because they're absolutely gassed and they know the offense can't do anything, so they yep. start playing super aggressive to try and create points. Yeah, they're just punching at the ball, and I don't blame them for it. Either. No, I because if you don't, you your team doesn't score. Yeah, you know that they have the capability of doing a different thing, but they're I mean it's a new strategy because you know that they can't score. So I. I think the defense is good. I thought, you know, people were concerned about the punt returns. I thought the punt returners did uh, actually halfway yeah, decent. Boy Moore job. did very well. Yeah, so punt returners did well. Uh, McPherson had a good game, you know, actually hitting the field goal that he was able to attempt. Um, I thought it was a bit conservative, some of those kicks that they didn't try. Mm-hmm. Trying to play the field position game, I'd be intrigued to see if in the Georgia game they try some of these longer kicks, realizing that points are going to be – at a premium and mm-hmm. you know field position may or may not be what you want i think that also determined is determined by how the other offense is playing because a&m when they were doing these punts it was the first half and wigman was in the game they weren't moving the ball so yeah. i understand why you're boy the field play. position game yeah. yeah and so i don't know we'll see so all right wrapping it up game prediction i'm gonna put it at 17, I'm trying to be generous here, 17 to 30, Georgia. Thanks. Um, well, you know, there's people There's people saying that if we run the ball 20 times, we'll win by 10. Now, see, I, I, in my opinion, I do think we need to run the ball more. But I will say, I think this strikes me as the type of game, if Auburn wins, it'll be in the – 17 to 14 ratio 17 to 20 yeah like i think it'll be a i think it'll be a tight tight game if auburn wins however i think that if auburn loses it'll be similar to this score like a 30 to 6 something something like something that low. you know i think that no, it's there's got to be at least one freak touchdown i mean they got one last year 
It's hard to not score a touchdown on back-to-back weeks. Oh, yeah, it's, it's hard. It's very it's, – it's, I mean, it's, it's hard to run offensive plays and not score a touchdown. That it is. Weeks. That it is. There, you, they, are, you are right about that. We will score a touchdown this week on offense. I, the offense will score a touchdown. I'd love to feel confident in that fact. But, I, I however, I do not. We will score at least one touchdown. And I would I would, lo- I would love to feel confident with you, but I, I just don't at the moment. But I would love to be wrong. And, obviously, I think this team is capable of winning this game, 100%. There's no doubt in my mind. If you told me, if you said, hey, I'm from the future, Auburn wins the game, I'd say, I believe you. If you were from the future and you said, hey, Auburn loses this game by three touchdowns, I'd say, you know what, I believe you. And – Either way, I don't feel any different about the team. I think that I I moved the win total up one because I wasn't expecting them to win this. I think that this is a six and six team, and they're going to be seven and five if they beat Georgia. I've said it for a long time. I hate being Debbie Downer. I, you know, I am the emotional side of the podcast, but I mean, it's just I hadn't seen anything that makes me think that it's going to be more than that. I think it's six and six, seven and five is the ceiling right now. I think my biggest thing is I want to look at a stat line that looks like we threw the ball or a stat line that looks like we ran the ball. Because it it just look if you look at the passing total, you're like, hmm, the starting quarterback was six for 12 for 44 yards. They must have just ran the ball all the time. You're like, well, the guy who led the team in carries only had nine carries. So I think I want to look at it and be like, well, yeah, Peyton Thorne may have not had a lot of yards, but he threw the ball over 20 times. Or we're like, well, we gave Jarquez – 15 carries, we gave Betty 12, and Robbie had eight. Well, you probably did throw the ball about 20 times because it doesn't count as an attempt if you get set. Well, as it as it as it should, because you don't you you, you don't throw the ball. But I would like to see Thorne throw some throw some footballs. Like I, I want him to I, I want to see him throw the ball. And if it's incomplete, it's incomplete. But throw the ball, you yeah. know? And I think that, that is just the biggest thing. Either whether he needs to throw it away more. I mean, Bo, like Bo Nix, he always had a bad – like a lot of games he had a bad completion percentage because he threw the ball away so many times. And it it helps your offense so much. And if Peyton Thorne can at least just throw the ball, try and fit something into some tighter windows. Risk – like I don't want to say risk turnovers because we know he – you know, yeah, well, he'll turn it over. But the thing is, it's like I would almost rather see him turn the ball over and get a couple balls that were in a tight window that we caught and see the guy throw the ball like a quarterback should. That I think that, that is just what I want to see from Peyton Thorne is I want to see him throw the ball more than 12 times in a football game. But, yeah, I mean, it's 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 concerning. I, I think that the offense is, is concerning, and I'm not hitting the panic button quite yet. I want to see how we play against Georgia at home. Then, you know, it'll be see how they come off of a bye week. Then it'll be see how they come off of, you know, coming back home. But it's it's a lot of a lot of analyzing that needs to be done in these next few weeks. And obviously all you can hope for is for a team to get better and better as the week goes on. But overall, and you know, right before we wrap up, we either give us your thoughts really quick on the the uh the the comments by Hugh Freeze where he said that he didn't really see the hate in the the Auburn Georgia rivalry, and that if I if I remember correctly, he said he sees it as he wants to win because of his love for the Auburn people more so than his hate for the Georgia people. So I'll let you uh, take that one away. I mean, I that is a very smart response because did you see what happened? Have you seen the video that Oregon posted? of the Colorado players trying to intimidate the Oregon players pregame before mm-hmm. they get smacked around. The last thing that you want to do on a Monday or a Tuesday when you're about to play Kirby Smart, who, by the way, ran a fake field goal. Hates Auburn. He despises Auburn with Hates everything him. inside of him. Hates him. Why would you want to say, yeah, man, I hate Kirby and I think his visor looks as bad as his bowl cut? Why would you say something See, like that? See, I, I I agree with what you're saying, and I'm not necessarily saying that Hugh needs to give bulletin board material, but like if I remember correctly, they asked. I mean, they always they asked Harson the exact same question his first year, and he pretty much had the kind of answer where he was like, "I knew it was a rivalry, knew they played it a lot, didn't really understand just how the fan base feels about them, because obviously the intensity is there." 
And that was what Harson said. And I think yeah. that that's what I expected. And then Harson and then Harson post game says, "Man, they do everything the right way. I want to be just like that." I mean, I mean, just goes goes on Kirby like it was. Uh, just a magical experience to get to play against him. <laughs> well, I'm all right. Yeah, um, I'm not. I don't know where we were going with that, honestly. But I'm regardless, Carson. Okay, but regardless, though, like, yes, obviously, you don't want to hear the guy just sing the praises of your rival's head coach. But to Harson's credit. Yeah, no, they do no. run it the right. They do run their program the right way. If Auburn won two national championships back to back, I'd be ecstatic. I'd be so happy. Yes. And you know what Kirby would not say? Man, Hugh is running things perfect over there. I want to be just like Hugh Freeze one day when I grow up. Well, no, Kirby might not say that. But if Brian Kelly gets fired, and you know they hire whoever they hire, he might look at, you know, the rival think, that's won back-to-back championships. Shane Beamer would say that about Hugh Freeze? Do you think Billy Napier would say that about Hugh Freeze? I, but Do my you thing think is, Mark Stoop? I could name any coach in the SEC. I can't think of a single one that would come out and say, I want to be like him when I grow up, like Carson did. I wouldn't say it was that. It was role model-esque. It was pretty bad, and then the tweets following up in the years since have been – Equally as poor. But I will say, yes, I know, Harson loves Kirby Smart. That is evident. But I will say that if you look at what Georgia has done, nobody can deny that the program is in a great spot. And they've been doing the right thing. And that's all I was saying about the Harson scenario. But regardless, it's neither here nor there. Auburn will be hosting Georgia. They are, I believe, a 14.5-point underdog in that matchup and you know it'll be it'll be an interesting one i think it'll be a sellout i think it'll be loud i think it'll be you know a fun fun rivalry in jordan hair like it always is hopefully auburn can get the win uh the record against georgia has been putrid uh in the past really 20 years it's been it's been a tough tough road but obviously We'll uh, come back next week breaking down what is hopefully a win in the Deep South's oldest rivalry and kind of previewing a uh, kind of what all happened and getting ready for the bye week before LSU. But as always, thank you guys so much for listening. And War Eagle. War Eagle.